We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. You can open an account with Emprise in less than five minutes, and the savings just start there. Emprise is a trusted partner with a variety of products and services to help you achieve your goals. Don't be tethered to a brick building. Start a meaningful relationship with a bank that has your best in mind. We have a wonderful relationship with Emprise Bank, our partners in possible. They're actually our partners in possible as well. For the KCSN draft guide that just uh, was made available for pre-launch this week. Uh, a lot of good stuff. But here to help me talk about uh, all kinds of things today are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Matthew Lane, very merry draftness to you. Happy KCSN draft guide launch week to you as well. Merry draftness to you as well. But I, I see how it is. Craig returns and you can get my handle right. You can be turned to a professional because Craig's here. But when it's just you and I, you're over here butchering the intro and all these guys. Like, I get it. So, you know, Craig, Craig is great. Craig is here. Craig is back. We're all happy he's here. How you doing, pal? Well, I was doing, no, I, I'm, I'm leaving now because <laughs> you said the, the, the G word. So I don't, no, I'm not, I'm doing good. Things are good. I'm That's glad a to G be back word too. Craig. With you guys. That's a good G word. <laughs> Craig but, is good. Yeah. Yeah, Craig good. is good. <laughs> no, I don't want that either. No. So you know, this, yeah, this, this is riveting radio, uh, audio only. But like, Craig's got a beanie on for the first time, I think, in the history of the laboratory. So no, he's one hundred. He's one hundred percent done this in the past like two months. Also, what do you mean? It's like seventy degrees outside. My windows are open. Mm. Uh, nope, not here. Not here in Kansas City. Mm. Um, we we did have some news that has hit the last time since the last time we all uh we were all on a show uh earlier in the week, and we'll we'll just start there. Anthony Hitchens, uh, he was released this week. Um, it was I don't think anybody's surprised. Like this is a move everybody kind of anticipated was going to happen. I was a little surprised it happened this week, Maddie. But I don't know where you want to start with the Anthony Hitchens news. Let, let's go to the timing. I mean, this does seem like a relatively weird or awkward time for it. It's, the Chiefs have kind of been dragging their feet a little bit in coaching decisions, but now you're going to get a roster decision made just about before a lot of other teams have. Like, not to even bring in the coaching stuff, but this is one of the first, like, really big roster decisions that are being made by anybody in the NFL when the Chiefs get out in front. I can assume it's a solid being done to Anthony Hitchens. He now gets a jump, an entire jump on anything related to 
tampering, not tampering, whatever you want to call the free agent period coming up, leading up to then. Like it's the best case scenario for him to be out there for everyone to know he's out there early. So it's a favor to him. It is just interesting that it came so early to me. I mean, a, a little bit, yeah. I, I, I don't want to go too far into. I don't want to dunk on Anthony Hitchens here, but I think everybody knew that this was coming. Um, yeah. You don't spend two second round draft picks on young linebackers that show promise, especially one last year whose best fit is at the Mike linebacker position. And when he got to play the Mike linebacker position, it's where he looked the best last year. I, I mean. The, the writing was on the wall that Nick Bolton was taking over that position. Now, it is a lot of movement. It is a lot of experience that they're letting walk out the door, and that's something that Steve Spagnola is very cognizant of. Uh, he, he puts a lot of value in that, and that's what Anthony Hitchens brought. His pre-snap work is what he brought. But I think we knew that he was either – going to be gone or at a very reduced rate and that they were going to move with Nick Bolton at the Mike linebacker position in this season. So yeah, I do think it's them doing him a solid, letting him go a little bit early, try and get him to latch on to another team. I mean, I can, there's, there's lots of teams out there that could do with an experienced voice in the linebacker room. I I mean, Nick Bolton's credited and Nick Bolton and Willie Gay have both credited Anthony Hitchens with helping them with how to prepare, helping them with how to read things pre-snap. There is a an extreme amount of value in that. I don't know if it's what his contract was, but I mean, it is a lot that he brought to this team, that he brought to this organization, and that's why they're able to go forward with the two young guys. It just made all the sense in the world to save $8.4 million against the cap this year by moving on to him. So yeah, let him go early. Let him catch on somewhere before free agency clogs up the market. And then, you know, you talked about Anthony Hitchens crediting, you know, being a really big help to the young linebackers. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? You or someone you you love falling into depression or struggling with anxiety can keep you from what you care about. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. Services available for clients worldwide. You can log in to your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly videos or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website, read their testimonials. They're posted daily. You can visit betterhelp.com slash KCSN. That's better H-E-L-P. Join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help, mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Special offer for KCSN listeners. Get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash KCSN. 
you know, you know, think about Anthony Hitchens and, you know, there's a lot of intangibles that some people, you know, will cite. And if you talk to anybody that's been around that organization at all, you'll hear, you know, people touting the leadership that Anthony Hitchens provided. And um, I don't think that can be understated. Like, I, you know, like, I don't think it's easy to find guys with the kind of football character he has. I, I, I believe, you know, Andy Reid and Brett Beach even said some, one of them said something to the effect of the toughness that uh you know that the, the kind of toughness there's there's not been a player more tough than anthony hitchens and you know like i think there's there's real leadership there there's something that that's you know that that has value that we don't get to see on sundays right but when we sat and honestly when we started kcsn one of the very first articles i wrote might have even been the first one i wrote when we were just kind of you know unpacking the why for each draft pick looking at the why for all of these players that the chiefs had just drafted uh in the 2021 draft trying to understand you know the vision for them moving forward the the, the bolt move I, I wrote it it was the anthony hitchens replacement this they, they gave him a year of buffer they gave him a year under anthony hitchens they gave him an opportunity to get his feet wet get comfortable uh and now he looks to be the mike of the future yeah and i think you knew this decision was making like when the draft pick was made, this was going to happen. You knew you were going to make this transition from Nick Bolton to Anthony Hitchens. You were going to make it sooner rather than later. Like Craig was referencing when Nick Bolton had to fill in for Anthony Hitchens in that role, things went well, that's where he's kind of at his best. You're limiting how much, how far he has to move. You're simplifying a lot of the way that she's play. You're simplifying some of his specific run reads, allowing him to, essentially just play through the a gaps and not have to worry about holding contained running across the field you are playing right in nick bolton's strength so this move was something everybody should have expected to me the interesting part though is willie gay is coming into his third year nick bolton's coming into a second you can't imagine that either guy is anywhere close to understand the playbook the same level anthony hitchens is like there's just no chance you can even go back to watch late in last year's season you still have both of those guys looking to Anthony Hitchens or looking to somebody else to figure out what they're doing on that play, what the adjustment is going to be. And yeah, with an extra offseason, you anticipate it being a little bit better. But are you like really ready to go into after all the miscommunication errors you saw last year anyway, despite having somebody that knew what they were doing? Are you really feeling good about going into next year with having like you know removing the one guy that seems to understand the vast majority of the defense and the adjustments? It gets a little sketchy. And I mean, for that reason, Craig, let's get your thoughts on this because I don't think you've chimed in. I've advocated that if you're going to move on from Hitchens, you almost have to bring back Ben Neiman. Okay. So did everybody put your head on a pike when you said that, Matty? Like, did, yeah. did the oh, people my. got, people oh, got really mad? And they were also mad that I even had the, I had the goal <laughs> to say that Ben Neiman had a decent season. And I asked them to name one game that he cost the Chiefs, and nobody got back to me. So didn't even didn't even had his best season as a pro last year. Yes, unequivocally, he looked better at, at a little heavier weight. He played the Sam pretty well. He stacked and shedded pretty well. He's still limited as a linebacker. As I, I assume, Maddie, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's not like you're saying, "Hey, Ben Neiman is a great linebacker that we need to pay a lot of money to." We're talking about a vet men deal for a special teams dude here. So, like, it, let's. Let's keep a guy like that around that knows the defense. But that being said, I, I mean, it. I condone that. That's fine. That being said, um, 
there's a ton of turnover on this defense and expecting people to be on the same page and expecting people to all kind of sync up is maybe a little bit far-fetched for the season anyway. So maybe they're entering the season knowing, hey, we're not going to be able to flip it. We're not going to be able to turn it completely over and have everybody run on the same page. Let's just go ahead and make the transition. We're going to simplify some of what we do. Maybe Steve Spagnuolo doesn't quite get into his as exotic of stuff as he did before, especially early on in the season. Maybe they make that transition a little more gradual, which is going to help these guys to all stay on the same page. It's going to help Nick Bolton to feel confident calling the defense and being the guy that's the green dot full time, maybe even in the dime. He oh, God, please too. don't. I mean, they did that last year. They they felt comfortable running him out there over Willie Gay Jr. last year. So it remains to be seen what they're going to do with him. But I can see them maybe just kind of accepting that it doesn't matter what the communication is there coming from the mic and how much you're trying to adjust. Just knowing that they're going to have to simplify the defense a little bit because there's going to be so many new pieces that haven't been in a Spagnola defense before Maybe they just understand that they see the writing on the wall and they feel confident that Bolton and that and Gay at the second level can pick that up and kind of run forward and be full speed by the end of the year. There's like there's just a little bit of finality to all this now that Hitchens is actually not on the roster. And now it's like a little bit of like, okay, can you really move on from Tyron Matthew after this? Like the the like honestly, like I I, I don't know if it's just the reality. Like, obviously, we've been speaking all these hypotheticals, and we're like, yeah, Frank Clark, probably gone. Yeah, Anthony Hitchens, probably gone. Tyron Matthew, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Just the fact that Anthony Hitchens is no longer here, the safety net's gone from a you know communication perspective, leadership perspective. And not to say that these young guys can't figure it out, but it's a long, it's a big learning curve. Like it, it, This is notoriously difficult for, for linebackers, for young linebackers. Are not just like young players, not line, it's not just linebackers. It's, it's, it's difficult for young players, is really the right phrasing. So, like, <laughs> safety net's gone at linebacker. Are we about to see the safety net be gone at, at safety, too? Like, really, honestly, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm starting to wonder now a little bit, Maddie. Well, I, it, that's kind of the whole point is like, I, I get the idea that if you aren't going to have great communication, if you aren't going to have a guy that you trust to communicate with everything, maybe you just deal with bumps and bruises throughout the season and hope they get on the same page or hope the talent overcomes. But here's the problem. The last, like you don't have anybody that is proven to go out there and do any of this stuff. Like this defense doesn't function on a basic straightforward. This isn't a Bob Sutton defense. These guys don't go out there and just perform better than the guy across from. It's not a talent-based scheme. It's all X's and O's, which is part of why rookies struggle to get on the field or to earn more playing time. I'm not even advocating for someone like a Ben Neiman to necessarily take playing time away from anybody. I don't care if he loses his dime backer position or you know that role to somebody. Just having somebody out there that when you're going in the meeting room, Nick Bolton or Willie Gay don't have to go find a coach every five plays because they're not sure what to do against that that they're about to see in the upcoming week. Just having somebody else around that's been around the block a while that understands Steve Spagnuolo's scheme would be super beneficial. And then you get to the point you're going to lose Tyron Matthew and Anthony Hitchens. Like by far your two smartest, most cerebral players on the field at the same time. That's just, that's, that's a lot. You're losing a lot of guys that hold a lot of pieces together. There's a reason that the chiefs defense has somehow been able to stay in the top 10 
in points given up, despite some of the players they run out there at linebacker or some of the defensive linemen or some of the cornerbacks they put out there. Like, there's a reason that these guys that aren't the most talented players all the time get in the right spots. I just, I have a hard time believing that you're going to keep a similar scheme and get rid of Hitchens and Tyron Matthew and Ben Neiman to a far, far lesser extent, but he at least understands the system better than just about anybody else here. It's just, I think you got to keep one of those kind of voices at minimum around. I mean, and that's part of the reason why all offseason long kind of been saying that they're a package deal. Spags and Matthew are. He makes the defense go. He makes that thing happen. And if Tyron Matthew's gone, you have to have somebody that can be that cerebral guy that can make sure that everybody's on the same page. And guess what? Those guys don't grow on trees. You don't just turn around and go, oh, there's our Tyron Matthew replacement in the draft. That guy doesn't exist. You don't just go get him or you know, we Kyle Hamilton and he's going top 15 or whatever, you know, you don't get those types of guys. You don't get those types of players at the places that the chiefs are going to draft or at the money that they're going to try and give to a safety. So it's either sticking with Tyron or dealing with the bumps and bruises. And that's what Mandy's kind of saying there. Like if you're losing all these guys that know the system, and keep everybody on the same page and can be those guys off the field, in the locker room, not just on the field, off the field, in the locker room, in the film room, all these things to help pick up on tendencies and help all of that. Oh, and by the way, Brendan Daly is now your new linebackers coach and Joe Cullen is your new defensive line coach. Like there is so much potential turnover here and there are going to be so many new voices in the room maybe those new voices come together and that all works in a way. Obviously, that's what we hope. That that would be ideal because they've invested in all of this stuff. So if it all works, great, awesome. We're going to be ecstatic with it. But there are enough question marks with that to just, it, it raises questions. It, it, there's a number of things that you got to lean into there with all of the elements of the defense that you probably need some stable voices for Steve Spagnolo. Do we think, I know it's a different voice, but do we think that Brendan Daly's move to linebackers is to help these young guys? Is it just Maybe. A, a, a steady, stable voice, a guy that's been here for the last few years? Obviously, it's changing positions, but it's a guy that has been, I mean, I know Ken Flajol was here last year, but at the same time, I just wonder, like, maybe it's just trying to insulate that group with some really you know bright minds to help support these talented young linebackers. I mean, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, and if you're looking at that, if those two le levels and you're seeing the coaches that are available at the time that the Chiefs signed Joe Cullen, I mean, Joe Cullen's the best defensive line coach that they could have gotten, a better linebackers coach, and they were probably going to snatch up with somebody else. So now, that being said, Brian Flores is a linebackers coach in Pittsburgh, but that's a different scenario altogether. We'll yeah, sign me up for there. him. Like, yeah, why? Just, I, that would yeah, be awesome. That would have been great. But, but I mean, Joe Cullen at defensive line, like like that's a savvy move. So maybe you do just move one of your veteran coaches over there to help stabilize that group. Well, and we're going to start reading a little bit of tea leaves here for this next part because um, Sam Madison went to the Miami Dolphins to be, you know, their defensive backs coach. And I think he also got titled as the passing game coordinator. But he, you know, he got to speak today and he thanked Andy Reid specifically for letting him out of the last year of his contract. 
So Sam Addison had one more year on a positional defensive positional coach, one more year under contract with the Chiefs. He got out of it to go get a job somewhere else. I, I don't think it's far-fetched to think that some of these other defensive coaches might be on that same level of deal that might be on these four-year deals. And I don't know if that goes up to Steve Spagnuolo or how many coaches are on the same timetable, but I don't think it's a too big of a reach to think the Chiefs got all the guys on the same general contract. I find it hard to believe you'd go into the final year on your contract for some of these guys, if that's true, and be willing to risk having a defense that doesn't understand the playbook, that doesn't know how to make their adjustments, that's just going to fly by the seat of their pants, and your literal last year where you're interviewing for to keep your job or your next job. Again, that's just assuming they're all in the same thing, but just... You're I mean, it's with likely that they're probably all in the same contract structure, right? When it comes like to the coaching staff, wild. It's not a, it's not a reach. It's a lot of change for a lot of guys going into their last year, and it's hard, I think, to convince a coach to give it 110 percent if you're not going to give them the players that can, that, you know, that they feel make them give that 110 percent to them. And for this staff, that's always been smart players that understood the system. Just all young guys, all new guys, that seems like a wild match with the way this staff has operated for the past three seasons. And it may not even matter whether or not Tyron Matthew is back, but like as we're having this conversation and the first domino falls and now it's starting to get real, you know, I'm thinking about this going, really regardless of if Tyron Matthew is back, Steve Spagnuolo and his coaching staff have a 2019 rebuild on their hands when it comes to their defense they are really starting from the ground up and i know like tyron matthew has commented and i think you know that c spagnolo has commented after the super bowl in their first year that you know every year is a new year and you kind of start foundationally and you you know every every different every season is a little bit unique and, and it's it's kind of starting from scratch this is different this is different than just oh la- you know uh, we gotta start back at ground ground zero and build this thing but no there is, you know, the familiarity, comfortability that that all matters, and like it's not like it's a complete wholesale change across that defensive side of the football, but it's a lot of young guys, and you know, honestly, you know, as part of that 2019, you know, rebuild where the Chiefs overhauled their defense and peaked and played really good football late in the season to help them, you know, fuel them to winning a Super Bowl, they had a change agent in Tyron Matthew, and you know, they needed that kind of guy and that is you know he was a change agent there so it's it's interesting now one of those those building blocks is gone in anthony hitchens and we'll see what happens with tyron matthew and we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If Tyron Matthews back, he's going to have a new safeties coach. Donald yeah. D'Alessio has been promoted. Uh, I believe he spent one year with the Chiefs as like a defensive assistant. He has experience at LSU, experience at Youngstown State uh, in various roles. Comes in Kansas City, spends one year here. Now he promoted to safeties coach, Maddie. Yeah, and it's you know, I don't know a ton about uh, D'Alessio. You know, I've kind of tried to dig into his background a little bit before the announcement was even made. The the only reason I even considered him as a guy that after one year with the Chiefs might be moving up was if you go back to look at all of those like DB photos that ever get posted by the Chiefs DB room, he's in like all of them from this past year. And it was just, I could easily identify which guy it was. And so when I thought there was a chance they might need somebody, I just kind of, so he was just a guy I expected it's hard to find a lot of information about him. Like coaching it, being a defensive coordinator, and then before that, a defensive line coach at Youngstown State. There's not a lot of info going on about him out there. He was working for Bo Pelini, who was kind of at the time kind of dead in the water as a football coach after a long stint of not being super successful. So like it, there just wasn't a job that there was a lot of hype, a lot being known about him. So I really don't know a ton about him other than the fact that he was a defensive coordinator at Youngstown State. He got some guys drafted. I mean, uh, Avery Moss came out of there and was drafted. Derek Rivers was a third-round draft pick by the New England Patriots. So he worked with some talent. He got some guys NFL ready while he was there as a defensive line coach and defensive coordinator. But outside that, like, I think the most exciting thing, at least for Craig, is that he was a defensive assistant for the LSU Tigers, and he's now coaching safeties for the Kansas City Chiefs, and Jacoby Stevens was a safety for the LSU Tigers before. Go Tigers. Oh, man. Let him, let him let him go. Let my man come home. This is home. <laughs> Kansas City's his new home. We're, we're bringing it. Now, uh, it, it's an interesting move. Uh, I wondered if they'd try and go out and get somebody that was, you know, maybe an outside hire, a bigger name, something like that to try and bring in a little more of a Spagnola vibe with this. But I also kind of like it. Now, the thing that I think is very interesting about this, I mean, very young guy. Sure, you know, like you, like Maddie said, he's always with the DBs. That's awesome. He's obviously built their trust. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing for that group. It is interesting to watch uh, because Dave Merritt was largely considered the guy that was coaching the safeties, and Sam Madison was the cornerbacks coach. Now all of a sudden, you've got D'Alessio that's announced as a safeties coach, and Dave Merritt is now the general defensive backs coach. But you would assume that he's working a little more closely with some of the cornerbacks. Now, he's done that before. This isn't, you know, out of the ordinary. When he was with the Giants, he helped coach, you know, the the entire gamut of the DBs back there. He did get all pros at a Hentrell role and Landon Collins. He, he got really good play out of Antonio Cromartie, Janoris Jenkins. He goes to Arizona. He's got some good guys there, you know, Patrick Peterson goes to a bunch of Pro Bowls and All Pros, but he, you know, peak, you know, Peterson there. But he and Spagnuolo together, along with Sam Madison, have really maximized that secondary. And so I, I do think that Dave Merritt is a good guy 
to still have on staff when he was hired. I believe we talked about him a little bit you know, three, four years ago that he really maximizes safety play. So I'm curious to see if they feel like maybe DLSEO is a little better fit to blend with some of those safeties. It could be a whole new safety room, probably outside of Juan Thornhill, if Tyron Matthew doesn't come back. So maybe they feel a little more comfortable with him working with some young guys and having, you know, maybe a more increased focus on the cornerback position. Now it's Brett Peach. They're not going to do anything about that, but very interesting to see Dave Merritt kind of get moved over to cornerback rather than being over the safeties where he has been with Matthew for the past several years. Well, in my mock draft, I took care of corner. And we'll talk about my Mac, my mock draft that I wrote on the KCSN SN Substack here in a little bit. Um, Maddie, you graduated high school in 2009, right? That is correct. <laughs> Craig feels so old right no, now. I know. I know where he's going with this because, yeah, D'Alessio is younger than all of us. <laughs> yeah, Donald D'Alessio is younger than all of us. He graduated, yes. he graduated in 2000. He graduated high school in 2010. He's yeah. like this is like Tucker's age. Hmm. Okay, is... I he's my age, which is yes, Tucker's no. age. We didn't have to no. go to Tucker. He's younger than you. We're the same he's, age. Uh, he might still be uh in his twenties, youthful and spry. Exact same age. Youthful no. and spry. You know what's youthful and spry? The Macadoodles is coming to Lee's Summit, Missouri. Like this never left summer. Listen, you wanted it. They're bringing it here. We need to thank these guys for bringing a Macadoodles to the Kansas City area. When that thing opens, it is going to be flooded with people. And I'm going to see all the pictures. I want everybody to tag me. I, I want all of that smoke. I want it all because you're going to get there, see the best customer service, best prices, best selection, and you're not going to leave. Now, they got to close, so you do have to leave at some point, but... Here's the key. If you get more Macadoodles in the Kansas City area or wherever you live, then you don't have to cram in there with all the other people that are going to want to go to that one location. So it doesn't matter where you are. If you are a franchisee, get a hold of Roger, info at macadoodles.com and get a Macadoodles in your area. Let's relieve the stress of everybody that's going to the Lee Summit store and move it. Just across the nation, across this great land of ours, get a Macadoodle on every corner. That, that's that's the American dream right there. That's my <laughs> dream, my personal dream. I want one right over there. So let's get one right over there. And we thank Macadoodles for being our sponsor all year long. Okay, let's move on. One more thing real quick. I wrote to celebrate uh to celebrate uh the KCSN draft guide releasing which by the way go to gum.co/kcsn22 to pre-order the KCSN draft guide it gets you 6 months of the KCSN Substack and 300 pages of sweet sweet content that is chief specific i it's 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 a it's a really fun resource this is our first our fourth year doing it um but yeah go ahead and do that but I, I, I did a seven-round mock for the Chiefs um, just to kind of kick things off. And we're not going to go over the entire mock draft because you got to go to kcsn.substack.com in order to get it or just buy the draft guide. You can hear the entire thing. But I do want to ask you a couple. I want to talk to you guys about a couple different things. So um, at pick 62 for the Chiefs, 
I went with Kingsley and Egbare, a defensive end out of South Carolina. He fits every single Steve Spagnuolo threshold. He is long, dense, powerful. Um, I think 6'4", 275 pounds. He's a big, powerful, explosive football player. Um, I almost went with a guy that didn't fit the thresholds of a Steve Spagnuolo defensive end, but I know we've all kind of thrown around his name a little bit. Arnold Ebikidi. Maddie, if you were going to, if, if you're in my shoes, you're sitting there writing that thing. Are you going to go with Enigbare out of South Carolina? Are you going to go with Arnold and Ebikitty? A little smaller, a little, little smaller, does not uh, under 255 pounds. Arm length is a little bit off. Uh, but Arnold Ebikitty, power rusher or a uh, pass rusher out of uh, Penn State. So the, this is a tricky part because from my perspective, I think one of them is a better prospect overall, but the other one is a much better Steve Spagnolo prospect. So like if I'm making a mock draft for the Chiefs, you get there at the end of round two and you're looking at a guy that's six foot four, you know, 261 pounds, but like that's on the light end of what he's played at in his college career with 35 inch arms that's good against the run. Like Steve Spagnuolo loves that guy like that. He absolutely falls in love with that guy immediately because that is the perfect guy that he's looking for. Like that guy's long, he's strong, he defends the run. He's gonna he's a power rusher through and through. So Kingsley and Nabari makes a ton of sense. On the flip side, I think Arnold Ebiketti's been more productive. He has the higher ceiling as a pass rusher, but he's a little shorter. He falls under six foot three. He's got the arm length, you know, thirty four inches. That's plenty long but he's only 250 pounds and he looks like 250 pounds is probably near the max out. He can be, he's not going to put on 10 more pounds. I don't believe based on just the six foot two frame. So if you're going to angle it for the chiefs, I think you have to go with Enigbari, even though the upside might not be as high, which takes us back to the kind of issue we've had with Steve Spagnuolo the whole time. The players are so specific to what he wants to do that you sometimes limit the overall physical talent you put out there on the field. The production's there. The results are there. You can't argue with the, like you can't argue with the results. It's just the process can be frustrating sometimes when you have to skip over a guy in free agency or in the draft that might be a better player just because they're 10 pounds lighter than somebody else. And I like Inigbari. Like I, I like the way that he plays. He's a power dude. He's you know, it just it he screams Steve Spagnolo. And you know, we've we've got those types of guys. I also see a guy like Michael Clemens from Texas AM that screams Steve Spagnolo is probably a little bit later that I like roughly about as much as I like Inigbari. <laughs> if I had to choose between the two I personally, I, I would go with Ipikide. Just because I he played at Temple the first three years, and then he transfers to Penn State and has his best year ever. Like it w- on that defensive line, it takes a step up in competition, and things seem to click for him. So I think, I think it, it, he's a little raw. You've got some ability to uh, maybe refine him a little bit with how he gets off. When you watch him at the Senior Bowl, he kept trying to get into like four point stances and just didn't look good coming off the line there. When he's engaging the tackle, his technique is very good. His handwork is very good. So that part is refined, but it just seems like maybe some of the other elements of his game, like maybe at Temple, they just basically said, we're going to work on hands and hands only. And, you know, they didn't do anything else. Quincy Roche would like to say hello as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. So, I mean, maybe, maybe there's a little higher ceiling with a guy like that 
and he can be a little more explosive type of guy. You've got guys that win with power and take a little longer to get to the quarterback. I'm looking at a guy that can win a little quicker, so I'd probably go with Ibukide. Yeah, I, I wanted to. It's just thresholds. I know. You know I, yeah. I for the no, first I exactly one of the year, right. I had to stick in. But this is exactly. But these are the this like these were the conversations I was sitting there having last night when I was working through this. I was like, I don't know. Uh, a couple I like more. That, questions. I just want to say I like that Craig brought up Michael Clemens out of Texas A&M because I I'm with him. I think it, there's some off field stuff you have to sort out with him. But I think yeah. someone's gonna draft him mid day three. And they're going to get a similar career arc to Kingsley and Igbari, who's going to go probably top 50. And so, like, one's going to be, you know, not a bust, but a guy that nobody's happy with when your team drafts him. The other guy, your team, your fans are going to absolutely love that you took a guy because he's midday three and he's given you four sacks, solid run play. As it is, Michael Clements' pass rush plan, a lot more varied and a lot better than, than Kingsley and Igbari's is right now. It's just there's an off-field stuff you have to deal with. I think we also might have talked about Michael Clemens earlier last week on the case. Oh, did you guys? We <laughs> did in last year because Craig and I enjoyed him last year. Then he yeah. got hurt, decided to come back. Listen, and he is like a six-plus th- year senior, so he's an older this, guy. This this man lives to destroy Alabama offensive linemen, and there's a lot of those in the NFL. So oh, get, LSU, yeah. what he did to LSU, he belongs in jail. That game was ridiculous this past year. Speaking of off-field. Hey, the Chiefs don't mind that. <laughs> yes. Moving on. Uh, I, hi. Just overall question from you guys here. I, I, I took Jake Ferguson, an inline Y type tight end at 102. Let's just say we get to draft weekend, Maddie. That exact scenario happens. Jake Ferguson, the Wisconsin tight end, pick 102. How do you feel? Not good. Uh, didn't they kind of spend like the same pick ish on, I know he's a little bit later. He was in like the one fifties or one sixties was Noah gray, but you just took a tight end last year and the same general part of the draft actually, I mean a little bit later, but like you're now going to come back just like you double dipped on linebackers, which I mean, that one looks to be working out the right direction, but I don't know if you have to have two tight ends right now behind Travis Kelsey behind potentially Jody Fortson, who was out snapping Noah Gray before he got hurt. It seemed like it seemed like he was on the trajectory to be a more important part of the offense. So now you're going to get another tight end to come in and insert into this mix. I imagine that means you're not bringing back Blake Bell. I'd rather spend money on Blake Bell than that draft pick on Jake Ferguson. If all I'm going to use them for is as a blocker. That's just, it's a no man's land spot of tight end for me. And especially in this class, I think that there's going to be a chance to get somebody that that maybe gives you a little bit more receiving ability or more blocking ability than Jake Ferguson. I just think he's just a he's a Wisconsin draft pick. It's about the best way I can describe him. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, he's he's fine at at, at everything. Like, he's got soft hands. Uh, he came down with some really good catches in the All Star games. He he blocks well enough, but it's it's one of those where. If you're drafting a tight end top 100, you're kind of hoping for a ceiling. You're hoping for something a little more. And especially if you're drafting a wide tight end so you can play more 12 personnel and have that guy on the field and blocking. Like like Maddie said, there there's a bunch of guys out there that the Chiefs have gotten by with at a vet minimum rate that I can totally understand them spending assets at a vet minimum or maybe slightly above rate to make sure they get a wide tight end, then use this pick for somebody with maybe a little higher ceiling. 
See, like this is exactly why I asked this question because, like, this is like I'm not saying I felt the exact same way as you guys because I I actually think I like him a little bit more as a, an inline blocker, but it's not a awe inspiring move. It's it's more of it's not the traditional swing. It's you know like that like I always write about <laughs> whatever I'm fine. doing. It's fine. It's fine. Like, you're not mad at it. It's fine. no. I'm mad at it. I'm I'm actually quite mad oh, at okay. it mad. because but they just did the same thing last year though. Like they just did it. This is again well, you're doubling down on a non you're doubling down on a non valuable position, and now your selling point is he's a slightly better than fine blocker. So I think, he's a, I think he's a better down. blocker than that though. I think he's a better inline inline blocker than what you're asking. But this is exactly the scenario. Like this is exactly why I asked the question. I wanted to know your raw emotions on hey. a inline Y type tight end going at 102 to the Chiefs. That's incredibly hey, how, too how, high. How how did those uh, singles that they hit at the early part of the draft this past year work for the Chiefs though, Maddie? That's fair. But you're talking about positions that you play multiple. That's true. Like the the Chiefs hey, play multiple listen. tight ends, but you don't have to play multiple tight ends. Like you're not required. Maddie, what can they run more if they play more twelve personnel? Gap schemes and more individual <laughs> run scouts. I'm just I'm saying. Enjoying. I'm just so then, saying. Okay, so if that's your goal, go get a good blocker though. Go dra- go spend your they second round pick and get a like, good blocker, not an okay. Blake Bell blocker. was a good blocker. They still didn't do it. I mean, I know. Like he, he's not a better blocker than Blake Bell is right yeah. now. No chance. Yeah. So like, not why would I not yet. play Blake Bell? That Blake Bell's a pretty good blocker. Like, I, if yes. we're claiming that Jake Ferguson's like gonna be better, I don't know. That's that's bold to me for a two hundred and like forty pound tight end. Well, yeah, shortish arms. I this is yeah. I Jake Ferguson, two hundred fifty pounds. I like him better as an inline Y type tight end. We've talked a lot about this team needing or potentially going to add a guy more like that. That's the player I I target at that spot. Pick one hundred two, Jake Ferguson. But this is exactly why I wanted to ask Maddie this question. This all night, (laughs) honestly. Well, like sign Danny Bellinger. As an undrafted free agent, get a better blocker and don't spend the same draft cap. Like I just, I don't, I don't comprehend drafting anything short of like the sixth round, a blocking tight end. Daniel Bellinger, timeout. Daniel Bellinger is getting drafted. Okay, so draft him in the sixth round. I just, I, I just don't <laughs> just get saying. The it's still a UDFA. You put some respect on anything Daniel after Bellinger's pick one twenty five is a UDFA anyway. Draft your blocking tight end there, so that way you're not wasting a good pick on somebody that's going to play fifteen percent of the snaps because they're still going to rotate him with the tight end they drafted last year and Jody Fortson, who's actually talented. Oh, and the best tight end in the NFL. Like it's such a waste of draft capital at that spot to get a guy that's limited to just being a blocking tight end. You oh, have this is so happening. I don't well, you have no idea how many times this happens a week. <laughs> we throw a lot of scenarios at each other. I don't know. This is one of the more visceral. Like Maddie, the more we talk about it, the more angry he gets. Because it's being defended for no reason. <laughs> this is the equivalent of drafting a, a first down running back, but doing so they're not like drafting a guy that can is only good for third and one, a fullback. You're drafting a fullback essentially. At this pick right now. Listen, the Chiefs. Hey, hey, Better receiver. Radikovich Radikovich was was really good. He was really fun. All right. Well, uh, there's one more player I wanted to talk to you guys about. A player that I took uh, in, I believe, round seven of the uh, mock draft I did. And this is a guy I bet he sticks. Chance Campbell out of Ole Miss, the linebacker, Maddie. 
Chance Campbell, it, he's a guy, he was played, I believe it was at Maryland before he transferred to Ole Miss, and he was just kind of a, a, a tackle machine, but not necessarily collecting him in the downfield. He's shooting gaps, he's making plays behind the line of scrimmage, he looks like a guy that's just kind of reacting to what he sees and attacking everything. He goes to Ole Miss, and now all of a sudden he has to step back and play a more complete role, and I think he took that challenge relatively well, and I think he showed his best season for Ole Miss that he did in college, made a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage still, but he showed a lot of development in his ability to kind of read the offense in front of him. Doubled up his tackles for loss for his career, ended up you know being a good blitzer, and one of the guys that actually showed well in All-Star Game one-on-ones came up with a really nice pick at the shrine game undercutting a route you don't see that very often from linebackers when they do that it does make you raise your eyebrows guy that is probably a day three guy but has some upside there he's not just going to be a guy that you're going to put on special teams and forget about i bet he sticks in the nfl and look if you are looking for some golf clubs i promise you the best value you will find is Sticks Golf Clubs. They've been a game changer for me as I've been on my golf journey. I love them. They're high quality. Um, the performance is outstanding. I promise you, if you give Sticks Golf a chance, you will not look back. Go to sticks.golf, use promo code KCSN10, get 10% off of your order uh, on a fresh set of clubs. You will not regret it. I promise you. Uh, I'm Team Sticks now. I'll be Team Sticks for a long time. That is going to do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory. Maddie, go go grab a towel, calm down. Go coddle your one down player every other <laughs> drive. We'll catch you later. <laughs>